0: Welcome to the You Are Infinitely Loved podcast. I'm Sam. I'm Lindsay.
1: And I'm Coos.
0: We believe that loving yourself is the key to transforming every aspect of your life. And it's our hope that these conversations bring you one step closer towards embracing this truth.
1: Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of You Are Infinitely Loved. Today, We'll be talking about Lindsay.
0: (laughs) Our favorite subject matter. Well, my favorite subject matter. (laughs) So, Lindsay, we kind of hinted in our last episode that we would be chatting to you about something that's changed in terms of you and your identity. So,
1: (laughs) yeah, the biggest change that happened in this last year, we're talking about identity and where we are today.
0: (laughs) So what would you say it is? What's happened for you in the
2: last year? Well, first... Set the stage, <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I know no one can see this because it's a podcast, but I've gotten ridiculously good-looking this past year.
1: Great. What
0: I don't else? think that's the biggest change because you've always been ridiculously uh, good-looking. Always. always.
2: Yes, thank Oh, no. You know, last week when you shared, Sam, about your biggest shift, which if you have not listened to that episode, so powerful, so good, it really is – I've been thinking about it, you know, as I've prepared for sharing this. uh, It takes a lot of vulnerability Mm -hmm. to share these identity shifts. Yeah. So um, I think as I've been prepping for this episode – I've just been thinking about how brave you were, Sam, to share your stuff last week. And, really? Yeah. If
1: you haven't listened to that one yet, pause this <laughs> one, listen to that one, and then come back to this one.
2: We're just getting teary reading all the feedback from listeners. Ugh, so good. Um, yeah. So for me, I'm just going to borrow from your courage, Sam. Uh, for me, the biggest shift over the pandemic identity wise has been a massive shift in my faith and how I see the world Mm -hmm. in general, (laughs) which is huge. So tell me more. (laughs) So let's, let's,
1: I mean, I, I, I know what it is, but (laughs) please tell me again.
0: (laughs) So to give our listeners some, some context because faith has been, Well, you can talk about it, but a really huge part of your life. But it's not been something that we've really discussed much at all on this podcast. There's been, you know, we did an episode with with Kirk Kroon a couple of years ago now um, about Mm -hmm. Christianity. And I feel like there may have been moments where you've referenced faith, but it hasn't been something that we've spoken about. So I know that for most of our listeners, other than the ones that know you personally, a lot of them have no idea what your background is, what your faith is anything Mm -hmm. about you so let's just yeah give them give them a little idea of what faith you grew up in and how much
1: go back to the beginning
0: (laughs) let's go right back to the start how much of a role has it played in your life up until now
2: Uh, well let's jump off okay um i think for me faith has been the most important part of my life for almost all of my life Mm. so as a young kid I would, my family always went to church until I was in like, you know, eighth grade. And so every Sunday, I'm hearing this same message about um, where are people come from, what's our purpose, why are we made, what's important, what are our values, our shared values. And I would say, coming from a family that wasn't cohesive, it felt very much like home to me mm-hmm. and it felt where I belonged. Yeah. And so even as my family walked away, you know, from faith a little bit or just got less invested, I just really dug in deep. Mm. And in some ways, um, it saved me from a lot of pain. Yeah. And in some ways, it's created a lot of pain. And so as I've been working through that as an adult and seeing where, where do I land now as an adult, it's been pretty mind-blowing to unpack um, both ends of that spectrum, and over the pandemic, you know, uh, this is the first time I haven't gone to a religious church. You know, and and I would say, you know, you mentioned Kirk Kroon. Um When we lived in Portland, we went to a really open, affirming church where women had leadership and power, and that was the first time I had experienced faith in that context, and it felt really good. Mm-hmm. Um, so. It's hard to almost talk about where I'm at now because how far I've shifted from where I began, it's been like up and down, in and out, all over the place, you know, just everywhere. Yeah. And so I'm landing right now in a place of deep gratitude for my faith background and pissed off and livid for parts of that background and angry, you know? So um, it's just a bizarre place. I don't have anything else in my life where I have such a spectrum Mm. of emotions and feelings. And so this past year, I think having to sit with it, not being able to go to a faith community and talk with people who maybe have a similar background as me has been... In some ways, really good because I've had to figure stuff out. What do I think? What do I believe? How do I feel? Mm. And, you know, I've mentioned before Enneagram too. Pretty good at reading the room and knowing what others want and need. But I've not been great at knowing what I want and need. So this past year, has the blessing has been to really dig into some questions I've always had. Mm -hmm. And have kind of held a blind eye to. And to open myself up to what may or may not, where I might or might not land. I love this. And I want to... Do you? (laughs) I do. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, same. Love it. Super fun.
0: (laughs) As we keep talking about it, I just want to acknowledge you know, it does take so much courage and bravery to talk about this stuff. So thank you for sharing because yeah, I know it's a, it's a really personal thing to go into, Mm -hmm. you know, as you said, it's been the most important aspect really of your life up until now. Mm -hmm. Um, So I just want to, again, I'm going to take you back, but I want, I do want to get to how things have changed and where you're feeling now, because I think that that's the interesting stuff. But after high school, you went to seminary right did you go to Uh,
2: i went to college and then after college i went to grad school at a seminary okay yeah and i would say you know to give you a clear picture of how straight i was yeah (laughs) straight and narrow when i went to college i was just deep in um religion and faith and christianity was massively every part of my life and i was very proud of that Mm -hmm. um I led a very outwardly straight and moral life. I never mm-hmm. drank. I didn't have sex before marriage. All mm-hmm. these kind of big tenets of this, um, of faith culture. Yes. And I was very judgmental because I thought this is easy to do. This is easy to follow the rules. Mm-hmm. And you're kind of an idiot if you're not doing that, because you're going to get hurt. You're going to get in trouble. And so that's the place where I'm like, you know, I didn't get pregnant as a teen. Yep. And I never got drunk and, you know, slept on a park bench. Um I didn't have those experiences and I've always felt really proud about that and glad and thankful. And so that's where that, that gratitude comes into place. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. My because my family wasn't cohesive, I had a church family. They were my chosen family for sure. Yeah. And especially in college, I had a really close-knit church family. Mm-hmm. And after I graduated college, I worked at the, at the church that I had spent years at. And then I went to seminary, a really um, conservative seminary for my graduate degree. Mm-hmm. And through all those times, I had relationships with incredible, loving people yeah, who truly saved my life, you know, gave me the love that I needed really desperately and gave me security, um, emotional, mental, physical, financial, all the securities, you know? Um, And so even talking about this, I've struggled to feel like it's almost a betrayal to them Mm. and their investment to go on a different path. And so I think that's where like, when I start to feel like talking about this, like I just like feel it in my throat. I'm like, Um, because it does feel like an, being ungr- ungrateful mm. for though. yeah for the people who invested in me so deeply wow. and loved me so well and yet and so that's the that's the beautiful part but this other flip side is recognizing how much I had to agree to to fit in the box yeah you know to be loved and to be accepted and that's the part where I feel you know the anger and the bitterness. Mm. Because I wonder, I look back and I say, if I wasn't agreeable to the unspoken rules, yes, um, would I have been accepted and loved? Mm. You know, I don't know, you know. So
0: it's super interesting everything you're saying because you're talking about, you know, these people were your chosen family and they gave you yeah mm-hmm. security, belonging, safety, mm-hmm. all the things and how grateful you are for that. But as you just put it there, it's what I heard you say was that it was almost like a a bartering system where you got all of that, but your end of the bargain was that you followed these rules, or at least that's right. whether that whether or not that's true, you know, right. potentially so many of these people, and let's hope, love you unconditionally, <laughs> irrespective of what you believe, right? Um, but was it? Do you find that? Or I guess, when was it that you started to even become aware of the rules that you were following and start questioning whether or not these rules actually aligned with, with your Mm -hmm. own vision for the world, your values, your like, when did you, you know, it sounds like Mm -hmm. when you're young, you just kind of follow rules that you're told and without Mm -hmm. even really questioning them. So when did the
2: questioning part begin for you? When did it all begin to fall apart? <laughs> um, I would say, even as a young child, I could sense the patriarchal part of, of faith system to be like, hold up, like, wait a second. Mm. You know, even as a young child being like, so ladies can't be pastors. Okay, that feels off to me. Um, but you have an equally important role in this other way. Okay, I can settle for it. Like, that That makes sense. I guess I can, I can land there. I think it... So that part was always nagging on me. And I remember thinking like, man, I really wish I had been born a boy so that I could be a pastor someday. That just mm. felt like what I wanted to do. I felt like the coolest job. It felt important. And so, yeah, I, I just had, that was the, I think the, not the beginning, but that's always been a sticking point for me. Not feeling like it's fair that there are these gender rules that, that aren't what I want. Yeah. And so even, you know, finding a place in Portland towards, you know, more recently and finding a place where women truly were seen as equal in word and deed, you know, not equal as in we have equal jobs, but they're different jobs. Mm. But as you have any job you want here, you know, um, that was so healing for me Mm. to know that, okay, if I want to do faith, there's this way to do it in a way that honors that all people are created equal, (laughs) you know, um, including you know going to a a a church that was um lgbt plus friendly and not just friendly but people in leadership and engaging and um that felt really healing to me as well Mm. um to see that play out so yeah have i gone way off no you haven't gone (laughs) off
0: at all certainly from my perspective i you know I, I faith did not play a huge role in my life at all, but I was brought up Catholic, and when I came to Portland and and was able to go to your church and and see what that church was like, it, it, for me, it was the most inclusive inclusive church that I've ever been a part of. You know, mm-hmm. so so I guess what's interesting about that is, you know, having now moved away. Portland and moved to Austin Mm -hmm. and as you say kind of stepped away I guess because of COVID you know not going to church at all yeah what if you had that experience of recognizing seeing the patriarchal systems that weren't fair kind Mm -hmm. of feeling like something was off for a very long time but then being a part of a church that where as you say it was women were honored and respected and seen as equals. I'm just wondering, like, what has shifted in the past 12 months to make you want to step away more rather than Mm -hmm. find an equally inclusive community in Austin? And I'm not saying,
2: (laughs) you know, that you're never
0: going to want to do that, but why the – yeah, if you did find an inclusive community like that, why have you now pulled away again? Like what are the other things about the – about your faith or the system that you're questioning or what's really changed for you that means that you feel like you can't be a part of that? Uh,
2: Shall we go through the notes of my last like three years of (laughs) weekly therapy? Please. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you know, one massive, massive thing that I have been working on um, in myself is I have this sense, and again, it's because of not having a cohesive family growing up but i've always been looking for the adult in the room to tell me what to do
0: mm.
2: and i will do i will do it i will be the best at it i will serve and give and do whatever you say i'm like ripe for cults you know <laughs> like um which is what this is Shh, one, one, <laughs> one could
1: say you were in a cult <laughs> what one could say you were in a cult I,
2: I mean you know it's you know sure what you know the broad definition of that but i do think it's um when you start to love yourself mm. you know when you start to have self-compassion and you start to look around for me i looked around and i have thought um i'm a trustworthy person i can trust myself to make decisions i don't need to, to, to run this by anyone i'm a good person i'm trying my best i'm not perfect i can own my stuff when i when i mess up and i do i try learning to be the adult in my own life and be the leader of my own life has been the most, I don't know, powerful revelation for me. Mm-hmm. And so, so much of what church provided for me for literal decades is this container that the church, God, this, this outside thing, um, gave me rules and, and structure on how to identify and be a good person, and how to be loving, how to have purpose. There is so much purpose. We're all working on this thing together. Purpose. And so, the past year stripping that way even you know further back, and to say, if if I'm not a person who goes to church and expresses faith in that way, what's my purpose? Mm-hmm. Um, there's answers for everything. How. People are created, um, where you go when you die. All these things are just, you know, given to you. Mm. And when you say, I'm gonna start questioning that. I mean, I need some more evidence. I need some, not not like, I know faith is like the unseen, but is that landing well for me? Do I feel like that's true? Mm. And I think more exposure to things outside of the bubble for me. Yeah. Really gave me interesting perspective um being a therapist and working with all types of people has been you know giving me different stories about how people um construct the way they believe life what their purpose is what's the meaning of it all mm. and in the past thinking about what if there is no meaning what if i don't know what if there is no purpose except the purpose you make for yourself mm. that would feel terrifying to me that feels aw- that would feel awful to me yeah and scary And I'm at a place now where that feels freeing Mm -hmm. and joyful. And that's I think that right there sums up the whole past year for me, letting go of some of these outside requirements and going in deep with myself and saying, what's important to me? What's my purpose? What's my goal that I make up for myself, that I set for myself? Mm. You know, and even I can hear, you know, old church friends and people in the back of my head. And I know the answer I would have given someone a few years ago who would be, who would say these things and I would have pity for them. I would say, Oh, they've fallen off. They've lost their faith. I feel Mm. so sad for them. I'll pray for them. Mm. And so I have been, you know, hesitant to share this opening or this loosening up of what I've held onto for so long, because I don't want that pity. And I, because I feel the best I've ever felt in my life. And, and I know, again, people hearing that um, who are still in that faith tradition will, won't will be able to hear that truly. And so that need to be understood mm. um, feels really important to me and knowing that I likely will be misunderstood or pitied or shamed or whatever, you know, whatever it is. That has kept me pretty quiet and tight-lipped about the changes I've been going through. That is so powerful. And I think something that so
0: many people can relate to are these aspects of ourself that we hide because we are predicting or pretty sure of what the reaction of our peers, our family, our friends, okay. our whoever, what what they're going to think about it. And we almost know mm, they're not really going to get it. So rather Please. than say it,
2: I'm just going to hide it. Yep. Um, And I think that's the self-betrayal I've been doing for so much of my life is, well, I don't know that I agree with that or that checks out for me, but to be included in this group, I just got to keep that quiet, keep that part of me quiet. mm. And the empowerment I think I've felt in the past few years, you know, really has been, it's okay. It's okay. You're going to be safe if you're rejected. It's going to be okay if, if you lose community and it's okay if people think, um, poorly of you or if they don't agree with you or they don't understand you, those things are okay. I can, I can survive those things, Mm. but the part of me, you know, especially as I've done brain spotting this past year, which is, you know, the therapy that uses your physical feeling in your body to help locate, you know, trauma or, you know, problems, um, long held beliefs. I've been doing a ton of that in the past couple of years. Um, And knowing how physically embedded these fears are for me to be rejected, to be misunderstood. Mm. Um, I mean, even as I'm talking now, I feel shaky, even though I've done so much work on this. And so it it really is like being naked on stage is um, I'm it feels like I'm putting myself up to be rejected or to be misunderstood or villainized. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And that- well,
1: I feel like what I feel like what you've shared so far reminded me of uh, just a piece of uh, Adam Grant's interview with Brene Brown. It's really interesting because he talked about how there's so many pe- people who prefer the comfort of, conv- of conviction than the discomfort of doubt. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah. and, you know, it's like the Comfort of conviction is also bolstered by the power of belonging. Mm -hmm. You want to belong somewhere. Mm -hmm. You know, when you're at the church system, you feel like, I just want to belong. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to double down on, yes, I believe in what you believe in then. Mm
2: A hundred percent. I'll I'll just
1: do what I I need to do. Uh, I just want to belong. Right. And And especially
2: with my family being the way it was, that was totally motivation. mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, like Sam said, it takes a lot of courage, and bravery to uh, to stay in this discomfort of doubting mm-hmm. what you believe you believed in for many, many, many years.
0: Mm-hmm. And what I think is fascinating is that at a time when the world could not be in a more uncertain, <laughs> unstable place, like I think the the natural or probably more common response to that would be a doubling down on rules, Mm -hmm. a doubling down Mm -hmm. on conviction, on structures that give us some sense of purpose. So to me, the fact that at this time, you've decided to also (laughs) step away from this thing that gave you so much comfort and rules and belonging and structure and security and safety is like mind-blowingly brave. It's like so counterintuitive to be, <laughs> to be throwing away even more rules and creating even more <laughs> doubt and uncertainty. Like I think it's so, it just, it's really inspiring to me actually that you've been able to do that, you know. What do you think has given you the the strength and the courage to be able to question those things at a time when a lot of people would probably feel like they need that more?
2: You know, in some ways it's been... Koos is pointing to himself right now. just want to let you know that. <laughs>
1: Apparently it's Koos.
2: <laughs> it's all Koos. is the answer. I've now given him permission to lead my life, JK. JK, JK. You know, but it's it's both been so hard and also so easy Mm. and the easy part is because as I've started to like collect the data but then also do the brain spotting work um, connecting my mind my beliefs I know that I'm a trustworthy person and that I am a I'm a good parent to my kids I keep them safe and well and nurtured and I do that for myself too And so, so much of it has been like me being the adult for myself that I've always wanted. Yes. And being the leader. And I think once you start to put those together, the need for outside authority in your life just dissipates. And so I I will say, you know, we had um, friends when we first started this podcast, we said, oh, it's going to be about self-love and self-compassion. And she was like, but just make it about God, make it about God's love and, and, and all these things. And I, I was like, well, no, I'm not explaining. It. Let me explain. It's one." I kept trying to explain, and explain, and explain. And it just felt like every part of me knew she was saying a loving thing, but she said, you know, you're, I'm afraid you're, this is going to pull you away from God. Mm. Um, all of this, like self, you know, being self-centered. <laughs> Let's and hope self-... she's not listening now. <laughs> <laughs> Pulled away. What? So in a, in a sense that did come true, but the reality is like the safer and healthier I got freed me up from this external control that isn't healthy for me.
0: And I think, yeah, this is so much of what self love and self compassion is about, right? It's, it's having just, you've described it perfectly. The, the, complete conviction that you are that you can trust yourself that you're a Mm -hmm. wonderful parent that you're a trustworthy person that you know you can make good decisions for your life I think the more that you love yourself you almost belong to yourself yeah and then you you don't need as much this external source telling you hey you're okay you know we accept you if you accept yourself Mm -hmm. it's not that that and, and I want to make this clear. It's not that when you love yourself, you don't need any external validation and that it's a bad thing to, you know, because I don't want people to feel like it's normal as a human to want to feel validated and to want to feel seen and heard by people other than yourself. I think we're never going to not need that. But I certainly feel like the more self-acceptance you have, the more self-love you have, Mm-hmm. the less you require someone outside of yourself telling right. you how you need to live your life or what you need to do or what decisions you should make, you know?
2: Right. And I would say it all lands differently now when I get affirmation or what a, positive feedback, whatever, it's less like, oh my God, I'm a desert and I needed that. That's a drink of water that I was dying for, which I definitely felt that way in the past, just very needy for that. And now it's more of a, oh yeah, this person sees me. Yeah, I agree with what they're saying. That, that lands, that feels true to me. Yep. As opposed mm. to, I didn't know it's not myself, but they're telling me this. Is it true? Is it not true? I don't know. Feels good, but maybe they're just saying that. Like none of that pops up for me anymore. And that feels really safe and secure and grounding. Mm. You know, when you get good feedback to say, yeah, thanks, I agree. Totally, you're seeing me. I feel understood and seen. Yeah. Um, Not, that is the fuel that's going to get me through the day. Mm. And what's interesting, what's coming up for me,
0: and part of me is hesitating in bringing this up because I'm like, are we even going to have the words to describe (laughs) this? Am I going to throw us off a cliff into the deep end of, how do we talk about this? Ah!" (laughs) But like, what is coming up for me really strongly is this idea that we all know that as humans, we need belonging. Like belonging is is such a powerful thing. And it's, it's something that, you know, Brene Brown talks so much about belonging. And certainly I think this is what we need, right? We need communities where we feel like we belong. But I'm also really recognizing what you said at the start around what you needed to be silent about to belong. And I think it's really interesting for people to think about what they are giving up or going along with in order to belong. And we've seen this so much, like it brings up a talk that we all went to at Camp GLP a few years ago with Reverend Angel, oh my goodness, what's her at Kyoto? No, I can't remember her name. I will put it in the show notes. (laughs) It's terrible. Um, Where she talks about, she was talking about racism and that we all have to lose something or stay silent about something in order for that to exist. And I think, you know, when we think about belonging, when we belong to certain systems, we are giving up certain things in order to feel like we belong.
2: Absolutely. You know,
0: whether it's a patriarchal system, a racist system, a, yeah, all of our systems that are broken, there's a reason why we're in them right? Because we feel Mm -hmm. like we belong. They make sense to us. They give us structure. They give us Mm -hmm. this feeling of inclusivity, but who Mm -hmm. is being excluded or what parts of ourselves do we have to deny in order to go along with that?
2: Absolutely. And you know, that saying you can't see the water you're swimming in. I would say that was, that felt, this feels so true to me right now is I didn't even see, like looking back, I'm like, oh man, there was some really messed up stuff going on Mm. And because I was so deep in it, I definitely was unaware. It felt normal and typical. And there was a reason for it. You could always explain things, you know. Mm. And now the the idea of I belong only to myself. My old way of thinking would be like, well, that feels scary and wrong and sinful and bad, you know, and selfish. Mm. And my new place is like that settles deep in my soul. That feels really powerful. It feels really comforting and good. And if I can belong to myself, I can show up authentically as who I am in the world. And that feels like freedom. And that yeah. feels like, whew, pressure's off, you know? <laughs> yeah.
1: If you can be more direct about the changes that has happened this last year, what is it? Like, I can imagine questions coming up like, oh, are you no longer spiritual? Do you no, no longer believe in God? Like, what what has changed?
2: Well, Kuz, thanks for asking. (laughs) (laughs) I was trying to skip over those parts, but here we are. Um, I would say I know so much less than I used to know. And I do have this strong sense of a loving, powerful, all-knowing, all-being spirit. And I do feel deeply loved by that spirit. And I feel purposeful knowing that there is, we come from this deep loving place and I don't need to define who, what, how that looks. I feel very okay letting it unfold as it unfolds. Mm. And so I would say I would no longer call myself a Christian and I would say I, I feel the most loved by a God figure that I've ever felt in my life and I feel okay, not knowing all the things. Wow. That's amazing. Is that?
1: It's quite a shift of identity. <laughs> yeah. That's been really hard.
0: Mm-hmm. And what do you feel like, cause I'm imagining there'll be people listening who may in fact be going through you hate me now <laughs> <laughs> no who might be going through the exact same thing you never know you know this is so many people have questions around their faith and identity but even people that aren't experiencing a shift in their faith but you know who are resonating in terms of an aspect of themselves that they're yeah letting go of moving away from or something mm-hmm. that they've always believed about the world, and and now they're kind of thinking, "Hang on, I'm not sure that I do believe mm-hmm. that." Like as you said, there's a piece to that that's really terrifying, and a, a part of you that, you know, as you even speak today, you can you can feel that shakiness because of the, I don't know, the judgment that might come from others. So, what are the tools, or what are the things that allow you to to feel okay when you get? frightened or when you feel like oh this is all a bit like when it Mm -hmm. when it doesn't feel like the easiest thing in the world but when it does feel a bit frightening how do you yeah what do you practically do to whether it's calm yourself or yeah feel better about that for anyone that's working Mm -hmm. through letting go of something that they really believed
2: so strongly how can they find a sense of yeah peace or well, I think at the end of the show, I'll just give my therapist number. She's really excellent, um, Jenny. If you're listening, shout out. <laughs> you were the adult I've given authority to. I'm just kidding. I'm totally joking. Um, no, but it, I think it's it's okay to to be not okay for the moment. It's okay to be uncomfortable. Even noticing what your body's saying. I mean, as I've done this brain spotting work and and been more embodied and listening to my intuition and how I'm feeling about things and understanding those pieces, nothing... My body only leads me towards truth and love. You know, my intuition wants those things. I think all of our intuitions and, and our guts want those things. Mm. And so... Even allowing yourself to look inward and say, this part of my identity that I've aligned, I can't imagine not being this way or being called this or having this label or this community, this group, whatever it is, to say, what if you could have those feelings about yourself? You know, the deep connection to yourself, mm-hmm. um, the security that that's inside all of us, that is available to all of us, the inner security to be a securely attached adult to yourself it allows you to then attach to others without um, these parts of our egos or these these wounds, you know, trauma attachments, whatever it is, it allows you to attach with people in a more authentic way. I would say I'm very comfortable with people being vulnerable around me, but I'm very uncomfortable being vulnerable with others. And I would, you know, a couple of years ago, I would say, oh no, I'm only I'm really a vulnerable person, I'll share anything with anyone. But it's been so much more of um, because I know what they want me to say. And I can say that, you know, I can make it okay for them. And now it's um, my job isn't to make other people okay. It's to make sure I'm okay. And I, my job is to take care of me. And if others um, are not down with that, that's okay. That's totally fine. I know I'm not everyone's cup of tea. Um, I mean, it's hard to imagine, but. No, for real, <laughs> I I really know that I'm not everyone's cup of tea, and in the past I would have said that, but then my insides would have been like, "But you're gonna try as hard as you can to make sure you are." You mm. know, it would have been like this, like to be safe and secure, you better try your hardest to be whatever they need you to be. And now it's a, I'm totally fine um, being rejected. Yeah, um, I'm totally fine if we're not a good fit. I am totally fine if you're angry at me. It might take me a hot second to get there, but I can get there. And before I couldn't. Yeah. And so the groundedness in myself, I think, is something I can never let go of again. It just feels so powerful because it's me parenting myself. It's me taking care of myself. Mm. And having that gentleness of saying, I'm not for everyone and not everyone's for me. And I'm still safe. I'm still worthy of love. And that other person I don't connect with is worthy of love but it's not my job to make sure that they're okay. Yes. Enneagram two recovery. I know I was like, oh. I can't believe that just came <laughs> out of
0: the mouth of an Enneagram two. I feel like we often reference the Enneagram and, uh, and there's probably a lot of people that have no idea what the Enneagram is. <laughs> so oh.
2: You know, just a people pleasing freak, you know, you, that's what Enneagram two is
0: <laughs> you, you can go back and listen. I'm sure we've done earlier episodes on it, but, the one with Susan Piver, we talked about it a lot, but for that, you know, we're not going to go through the whole Enneagram, but basically there's nine personality types and the Enneagram two is the helper. And that is Lindsay's personality type. And it is someone that is deeply, um, yeah, their, their life's purpose is kind of serving others, making sure that other people are okay. So to hear you talk about mm-hmm. that, not being, you know, the be all and end all for you is, is amazing. Mm-hmm.
2: Really is a shift. And I would say that's the shift, right? Like that's where it's at, the identity piece of it's my job to make sure I'm okay. It's not your job to make sure I'm okay, you know? And I think I having to come to terms with that piece has been, you know, I will say being a therapist has been the best decision of my life mm. because um, I was joking actually with another therapist about this, but you have to have good boundaries as the therapist. Yeah for the other person's sake you know you're drilled in school like if you don't have good boundaries you're not teaching them how to have good boundaries and so basically i'm like you're paying me to have good boundaries yeah and so i'll do it even though i'd rather not have good boundaries i'd rather you know be everything to you yeah <laughs> you know and so having to learn that at work how to have good boundaries and to s- differentiate this is you and this is me mm-hmm. we're different we're engaging we're connecting but we're very we're different you know um Having those really, and also we do it in 50 minutes. We have a specific time each week that we do it. It's very specific and in a container. Mm. I think having those like very strict boundaries um, for my job has immensely helped me to see how they're powerful and they work. Boundaries work and they're helpful and they're powerful and they're life-changing. And so for me, even having boundaries around um, people or organized religion, Mm. you know, has been something I've had to learn. Yeah, You know, I can think about times in in college and in my 20s where I would go to school full time, I would work 40 hours a week outside of school, and then I would be volunteering like crazy for church stuff. Mm. And my whole life was was about that. And um, who I dated was absolutely defined by that. Who my friends were, I did not have a single non-Christian friend, (gasps) non-Christian boyfriend. We wouldn't have been friends. Um, Sam, I'm sorry oh my to say, goodness. <laughs> I would have prayed so much for you though. I definitely would have prayed for you. I have a lot of uh, yeah Christians in my life who pray for me. <laughs> I can tell it's working. Um, no, but, but it was not prayer out of true love is proud of judgment. Mm. Right. And so that's a place where now I'm like, I absolutely pray and send like thoughtful. I like, truly go into my brain and heart and send love to people, Mm. you know, um, when they're going through a hard time, I absolutely still do that. And I still think about all the beautiful lessons that are in the Bible that I will always hold on to. I feel truthful to me. Yeah, And I will always remember the parts of the Bible that don't work for me that aren't okay. That are not about the mutual thriving of all people, you know, so both exist. And I think that that's the part where it's, they both can exist. Yeah. And I feel like I can have,
0: yeah, that that's like the, the constant life lesson that just keeps coming up over and over and over again. And it's so (laughs) infuriating, but I feel like almost the whole point of life is to get to this point where you're completely okay with holding two contradictory (laughs) ideas at the same time (laughs) and living in the gray and nobody wants to live in the gray. We all want to live in the black or the white because it feels nicer. It feels like we can get our head around it. It, like we want there to be a right and wrong. We want there to be like a, this is how it works. This is not how it works. And the, the truth right. of life is that it's just not, it's completely complex and it's all gray. <laughs> and the better off, like the, the, the faster we can get to that point where we're like, you know what? We can, like, let's just live in the gray. Let's take mm-hmm. the parts that we're grateful for, the parts that we do want to hold on to, the parts that speak, that resonate with us, that are true to us. And let's acknowledge the parts that don't fit and let them go. Mm -hmm. And let's, you know, I think that's a really great thing for people to reflect on as well when they're thinking about any, again, any aspect of their character or identity that they're struggling Mm -hmm. with is you don't have, you know, you can keep the good. You don't have to Mm -hmm. choose. I think sometimes we think if I let go of that, then I'm letting go Mm -hmm. of everything you know mm-hmm. in in the same like if we use the example of a person getting divorced for example and they feel like they're like the marriage still existed for as long as it existed and you can still hold on to all of the good that came from that and the great memories and the growth and the wonderful things and just because you've now made a decision to move on and move away from that doesn't mean that you have to completely dispose of the whole thing. Like it was a giant waste and it never happened. Like, I think we need to really get okay with taking the bits that we want and Mm -hmm. letting go of the pieces that don't fit for us.
2: Yeah. And I would say, what does it look like to live in the gray more Mm -hmm. and to have, I think, I think a part of self-loving is saying, I don't know. I'm looking for the answer. I'm waiting for the answer. And it's okay that I don't know. I'm going to be okay while I I camp out here. Mm. And, you know, and I would also say it's also, this is maybe a little more controversial. I think it's okay to go from one end of the spectrum to the complete other end while you're trying to figure out what the middle is. Mm. Um, I wouldn't be lying if I didn't say that I wasn't truly angry and like repressed anger for years. Yeah. You know, about the things that happened in religion for me and church for me and and i know i still will be processing and working through some of those anger pieces but another part of our faith was like don't be angry don't express anger Mm. and as you well know i am very pro talking about feeling expressing learning about anger you know um there's a great book by harriet lerner Mm. (laughs) the dance of anger for anyone out there but um but religion made me chop that part of me off, the ability to feel anger and to express anger when things are not right. Mm. And so I've had to regrow that part of me. And um, I think I had to live in anger for a hot minute yeah. and to really learn how to, to grow and be angry um, about injustice. Mm. And now I can, I can be more in the middle and more in the gray because I can say I, I've, I've experienced both ends of that spectrum and now i'm going to land her in this middle place mm. and
0: as we talk about being in the gray and even thinking about what i just said about taking the pieces that work for you and letting go of the rest i can hear the cultural narrative of you know, all these people that say well, you can't just pick and choose you can't just cherry you can't just cherry pick the bit why can't we pick and choose who <laughs> who came up with that statement Like, where is that coming Mm -hmm. from? But that is a very strongly held belief that you can't just pick and choose the bits that work for you. If you sign up to something, you sign up to the whole thing. And I think that narrative is part of what has got us into so much trouble because that is where we have to, if we're not allowed to pick and choose, if we have to take it all, then we have Mm -hmm. to silence the parts of ourselves that, don't agree with certain parts because we're not allowed to pick and choose. And I'm saying,
2: come on, people pick and choose. (laughs) And that's really what you're saying though, Sam, is about having authority over your own life that no one gets to tell you, you can, you have to do it this way. The reality is you got to be honest with who you are Mm. and you have to first be honest with yourself about it. And then second, be honest with others about it. Yeah. And knowing full well that the inner security needs to be pretty solid before you you let it out, you know, yeah. Or there's going to be some pretty gnarly fallout, I think. Oh, completely.
1: For those who are who who are not in the middle of this shift, mm-hmm. you know, in all kinds of identity, religious or their marriage or whatever, people. Are maybe, let's say people are just thinking about it. Mm-hmm. They're, they're not sure where to start, where to go. Do you have any tools or advice? You can give them any mantra that you've found to be helpful as you went through this transformation?
2: Mm-hmm. Ooh, good, good question. Um, I would say all of us, every one of us, are not going to escape life without having an identity shift. Mm-hmm. So there's just no way we're not all going to hit this. At one point or another, and I do think it's going to happen over and over for us, mm. and it has. You know, we've all had some experiences already, maybe not as um, powerful or eventful as some other parts. You know, but no one's who they are. You know, who they were in high school. You know, um, <laughs> it's fun about? to think about, like <laughs> right, like the bully from high school could be like the sweetest little cherub ever now. You know, yeah. um, because we just can't hold we can't hold people's identities to who they used to be. Mm. Because I do hope we're all growing and shifting. And I do think something like this year of pandemic, I can't imagine someone leave, leaving this time period not having asked some deeper questions. Yeah, What's the purpose? What am I here for? Who am I? And those aren't bad questions to ask. You know, there's no shame in those questions. Those, those are really powerful, good questions. And it's okay if you don't know the answers to them. It's okay if you just, this is the self-compassion piece. You say, I'm figuring that part out. I don't know yet. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious and I'm gathering data about what feels right and what feels true to who I am. And it's okay that I'm not there yet. No one is. No one's there yet. I still, if, you know, you were to ask me in black and white, like, what are my religious beliefs? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. They're different. They're different. But I'm not, I haven't landed anywhere. I'm still kind of floating. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. I feel very okay with that because it makes me feel free and it makes me feel excited and in control of my own life. And those things feel great. But I think the question of, like, what if this isn't for me? Can feel like you're betraying people that you love or betraying yourself in some ways. I don't know. Maybe I I didn't really feel that way, but maybe it could feel. But I think it does take some courage to say, who am I now? Mm. You know, I'm not, I don't have to be stuck with who I've always been if it doesn't feel right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think that's the big thing. Questioning those things don't always mean that you will change. It's just, mm-hmm. that, let me just make sure that I am still who I think I am.
2: Right. Mm. And I can't imagine again, even if it's a small shift, that we aren't all shifting. And If if you aren't, I don't think you're probably growing. Mm. You're probably not exposing yourself to, to new ideas and thoughts and and people and whatever. And so that might be the challenge, right? If you don't feel like there's any movement or growth, maybe expanding your bubbles a little bit might bring some interesting, either confirmation that you're in the right spot or um, information that's time to shift and move. Yeah. And as we talk about this,
0: you know, everybody changing and growing and learning again, I just like, I keep hearing these crazy cultural narratives that, are just there that you're not even aware of that. Like how many times have we all heard the expression people don't change? Like, oh my you know, and it's very often used when we're, <laughs> I, I think it's often used when we're talking about like um, a negative trait, a negative trait. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Or
0: like, you know, in, if, in the dating world, right. And, and someone's had a history of, and behavior that might not be great and people say, <laughs> people don't change. Like this person's never going to change. People don't change. Or when you're dealing with a person that's struggling with addiction, you know, people don't change. Like this is a really bizarrely strong narrative that a lot of us. And you're subscribed to and it's so wrong. Right.
2: (laughs) And you're bad if you change. Yes. You know, like something's wrong with you if you change, you know, or even if it's a change for positive, it's still like, I feel like I don't know you now. Who are you? Like there's almost like this, what?
1: Yeah, because it's putting, pr- putting the pressure on other people to now rethink who you are.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, oh, wait, you're no longer that person that I know in high school?
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> there's so much resistance to change. It's quite, it's mind boggling. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I guess we should probably wrap this episode because I could talk to you for... Well, as we often do, for hours and hours and
1: hours and (laughs) hours.
0: (laughs) But I just want to really publicly acknowledge you for, yeah, your courage and the bravery it takes to talk about something that is so deeply personal and doing so, you know, on a podcast that we know a lot of the people that listen to this are part of the Christian community who know you as that Christian woman. So that is a huge thing to do, and I think you're stunning and brave and amazing, and I'm grateful that that you had the guts to do it. And I think it just, again, speaks to that, that piece that we're talking about around having a groundedness and a security in yourself and knowing that no matter what the feedback is or the fallout is, that, that you'll be okay because mm-hmm. – you are infinitely loved by us and by yourself. Good (laughs)
2: tie-in, good tie-in, Sam. Aren't you glad we named our podcast that? I mean, just really works, doesn't it? It's one of those things where
0: you go, what a great name for a podcast because it'll never not be true. (laughs) When we talk about things that don't change, you are infinitely loved, never going to change.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and and for me, you know, as – your partner witnessing firsthand all this transformation. There were very there were many moments that felt very uncomfortable and just watching you push through it and it's just really inspiring. So it really has been quite an honor. Um watching you.
0: Thank you. We love you, Lindsay. Stop. 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 <laughs> <laughs> and what a great, it. what a great, what's the word example, role model for your kids as well. Be interesting. Maybe we can chat more about that off air <laughs> as to what, <laughs> how much of your shifting they're aware of as well and what that gives them permission mm-hmm. to do in their own lives, you know? <gasps> <gasps> yes. <laughs> the ripple effect. <laughs> So, thank you everybody for listening to this episode, and we are looking forward to being back with you with another episode soon.
1: Thank you for listening to this episode. Our hope is that each day you feel more connected to the knowledge that you are infinitely loved. If you want to continue this conversation, you can find us at youareinfinitelyloved.com.